talking about how having a bias right now can be really really um i guess detrimental negative for your trading yeah oh definitely yeah i mean i think in any market having a bias you know not just being a uh, fluid uh kind of sets you up for some bad situations yeah how are you feeling about this uh this 2022 market i know that you said you're kind of just just following whatever is, is is in front of you, but how are you feeling overall about it? Um, I'm optimistic for it. I feel like that there's plenty of opportunities uh, to be absorbed, especially on a kind of macro trend on the daily, right? There's still a higher low to be maintained. Um, and even if that fails, I feel like there'd be some strong buyers. Um, I'm not thinking that we'll go down to 300, but it's a pretty strong support on the daily, on the QQQ. Yeah, I think uh, one of the things that people need to remember is there's so many people in our country that are or in our world, actually, that are so long on, you know, QQQ and SPY that I think if it were to make any sort of, you know, lower low, like if we break the 200 um, and then have some sort of dip, there's going to be buyers that just run from from everywhere to put, put oh, QQQ sure. and SPY in their IRA for for 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. Oh, most definitely. It's just like the housing market, right? Um, you know, and, and I see why they're kind of like permables on QQQ and it's, you know, it's built to go up. There's high performing tech stocks in the queues, but, um, you know, it, it is pretty extended and I would say inflated, uh, on this kind of course of this push, you know, up to yeah. 400. And then now we're down uh, about 10%, you know, from that all time high. Good news is, is this nice little pullback might get us a rocket in, you know, six months, a year from now, we might get oh. some some straight yeah, boner definitely. candles. Yeah, th that's what I'm looking forward to, right? I love playing a uh, bear, you know, um, it's kind of stair step, stair step up, uh, elevator down. So on the downside, I love making money and, you know, you can use that cash flow uh, to invest in some, uh, you know, some further leaps or monthlies. Yeah, for sure. What uh, I need to ask somebody, somebody uh, in my group wanted me to ask you about your 1030 alarm strat. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's magic time in the market, man. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I wish I could show you my screen, but, uh, you know, if you go on the queues, uh, mm -hmm. or anything really, um, and you look at 1030 now, I would say around 10 to 1045, um, you'll see a huge kind of, uh, reversal point in the market. Now, not always just like any strategy, right? You can't use the same thing daily or, or expect there to be a, a sense of consistency, um, with, you know, something like a time frame, but, uh, just go back, right? Anyone, you know, listening in the review, just uh, look at 1030 and look at the reaction of the day and how that affected the uh, the kind of pivots. For Are we moment. talking 1030 Eastern time? Yep. 1030 Eastern yeah. time. One hour after open. Yep. That's okay. the, that's the thing. Like I've, I've been hammering it to uh, my discord for a while. I personally don't like playing the first like 30 minutes, 45 minutes. Um, we just see a whole lot of chop and no clear direction. 
Oh, but, uh, for sure. But essentially, for I mean, for a while now, it's been they've been it's been a bull trap into chop into hard flush, and then they kind of things start to like recover a bit off their downtrend into lunch, and then they may try to flush you into power hour. But it's been super consistent. So that your ten thirty um, strat or whatever you want to call it is pretty spot on, and it's pretty similar to what I've been doing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I always kind of recommend to traders, right, especially for new trading options, um, wait the first 30 minutes to an hour. Going into market open, um, there's a lot of bias going back and forth from bears and bulls. Everyone wants to be profitable. Um, so, and everyone has a bullish or bearish bias. So it's going to push up or down, like you're talking about bull traps or bear traps. And, um, you know, there's just a lot. It's like walking into the middle of the road, right? Uh, it's not something you typically do. But um, there are times where you can get away with it. I like that. I like the 30 minutes after open. Yeah. I always stress that to all the people that I talk to about how things are so crazy choppy sometimes. Uh, oh, yeah. At the and open. The, the IV as well, right? You just you don't want to get, get an get IV crushed. crushed or anything like that. Yeah, exactly. I, the, somebody sure. brought this up to me, and, it, and uh, I'm sure you can probably touch on this, but people, somebody brought this up. He's like, oh, I get up two hours before pre-market. I'm... I trade options. I'm ready pre-market, looking everything, charting my levels, everything. And he's like, we open and he just has this urge to trade. And I'm like, and I'm like, well, listen, if you, you just need to offset that urge with, with some patience. And he's like, well, I feel like I'm going to miss a move. And I'm like, and, and we started reviewing, reviewing some charts. I'm like, there's no move to be missed. It's just, it's, there's so much chop and imbalance in that open that, it's like a coin flip trade as as i like to call it because you're basically guessing on a direction um do you have oh, any definitely. advice on that like for maybe somebody that's like oh well they just always feel the feel the need to to make a trade or they're kind of they have that fomo of like missing a move quote unquote right um so i, I used to i'm sure everyone has gone through that as a trader but um you know i i have taken so many losing trades feeling like I was missing a move or I was anticipating a move. Hey, I'm going to get in here first. Right. Uh, and then, you know, as, as time has gone on, I've realized that, Hey, you know, even if I miss the top or the complete bottom of a move, there's plenty of opportunity on the way towards this destination. Right. So um, it, don't focus so much on the first, you know, 30 minutes, an hour, you do all of that preparation, right. Two hours before open, you put in all of this hard work and it's not equating to, progress right you, you're not um following or you know practicing any sense of obedience to your own rules and uh process that you've worked so hard for yeah i Go actually 100 agree with all that um i wanted to ask you kind of a little bit more about this 10 30 rule how do you kind of use it and implement it into your trading day like do you i know that obviously it's the time so do you um you know anticipate a move when when that time comes or do you just you know watch for a move if you're in a trade do you use it as a risk um kind of kind of helper or how do you use it exactly um so so I always take into things into context. I never look at one strategy, right? I always have to have multiple levels of confirmation. But uh, if you look at, um, what is this date? The uh, Yesterday, the 18th, which was Tuesday. This whole kind of break has got me off my uh, schedule. But on Tuesday, go to QQQ and uh, go to right at 1030 and look at what happened, right? Now, I use the 9, the 20, and the 200 EMA. And typically, I'm looking at them on the 5-minute um, but that had confluence one 
zone, as well as the five minute 200 EMA. Uh, and it was pretty extended, right? We had gotten a higher high. And typically when you get a higher high in a uh, kind of bullish trend, right, which is higher highs and higher lows, once a higher high follows, you're going to have a higher low right thereafter. So um, I felt like there was a lot of weakness, no shorts really letting anything close over 375.58. And uh, that was on 118 on QQQ on uh, Tuesday. Yeah, no, I see that actually exactly what you're yep. talking about. And I mean, you can go through, I mean, it's not going to work every single day, but look at the day prior on, uh, what is this? 114, look at 1020, right? Yeah. Right there. That's, that's actually super interesting. I know we had, we had Shinobi on a while ago. He said something about a magical, like 113 EMA, something like that. We always like to see people's like special kind of little, little trading strategies. This is really oh, cool. Yeah. I'm going to oh, go back to sure. this. Oh, you should, because it's, I've done it for multiple years now this is awesome what a i know i know what your answer is going to be i think but um i wanted to ask you about what is your go-to indicator because i think i know what the answer is okay um i use uh the only two indicators i use uh vwap 9 20 200 ema on multiple time frames that's it and so I know we've like interacted back and forth on Twitter about the nine and I posted a thread and I said something today. Um, what, what is it about the nine? Because that the nine is my favorite thing to use. Um, so from your perspective, like what is so, what is so important in regards to the nine and not just the nine, but like EMAs in general. Okay. Um, so with the nine for me, um, you may see some other traders, you know, disagree upon it, this or that, right? I use it every single day. I live stream with it every single day and I use entries to, you know, provide a uh, very good trades every single day with it. And I'm sure that you find the same. Um, what I look at it is right. Some people may look at it as a cloud or something, but it's a strong area for a, a possible dip by, especially on momentum. Now I use the nine and the 20, uh, on multiple time frames, the one, the two, the three, the five, and the ten, typically. And the pr the problem that people run into is that they think that they can use the same time frame EMAs every single day, right? I have to go through and find what exact time frame is being respected uh, the best on of the nine and the twenty EMA. So the thing for the nine for me on very strong momentum, especially right after it crosses. Uh, you get very strong pullbacks, right? Pullbacks that um, where those late shorts or late bulls uh, who didn't take the initial dip, um, that, that's where they get in, right? It's an area that they can base risk off of and have a high likelihood because since the EMAs are so tight so early on, uh, it's a very desirable entry. But some uh, newer traders or you know less experienced traders may feel like it's for them to kind of process or understand. But I mean, I fell in love with the 9 and 20 EMA just by back testing. I didn't, I used to not use any EMAs. Uh, I used to just use VWAP straight naked trading. And uh, I just watched it on Weeble for like six to eight months and was like, okay, I'm going to throw this on my, my, uh, my PC, right? I'm going to throw it on there. And uh, I've never been back. It's like uh, if you're, you know, a naked trader, right? It's like your shoelaces. It ties everything together. You see a lot of entries that you may have not have seen. And it gives you a uh, stronger sense of confirmation as it is another point of view that many traders use. The 9 and the 20 is very common. Yeah. Um, but since the fact that it is common, it has holds so much more strength. That's what I was going to yeah. say about the 9 quick um, is just that it gives you that confirmation. Like no matter the direction you're playing, um, 
and it's something that I've used for a while, and it's great both ways, crossing in either direction, whether you're playing puts calls, um, it's it's super strong. Oh, I definitely agree. There's a, there's a big debate kind of on FinTwit about time frames. There's a lot of people who use the one minute. There's a lot of people that have been, you know, transitioning to the three minute, five minutes always been strong. Some people use 10, 15 after, you know, 30 minutes of the market. Do you have a preference or is it based on the stock? Is it based on, you know, time of day? What do you think? Um, so I used to, you know, shark uh, trader, he posted this tweet and uh, a long time ago, he said the one, uh, the three and the five or, or something like that was created uh, for retail traders to lose money on. Right. And, and I saw a lot of newer traders, you know, they all start off on the one minute. They need to feel like they have to have every single bit of information. So um, I wasn't using it. So I started streaming with it. I was like, okay, well, you know, I want to teach you guys how I would use this time frame um, in a patient kind of manner, because the problem with the one, okay, there's a, there's pros and cons, but the problem with the one is that it presents too much data that you end up reflecting on throughout the day. So maybe you see a lot of lower wicks or something like that, a lot of upper wicks, but it doesn't report itself onto the five or the 10 or a larger time frame, which obviously adds more weight. Now with the one on a momentum kind of, you know, day trading perspective, um, it's perfect for entries. You see a lot of the, the dialogue, you know, between bears and bulls, and you can really see who's winning and who's losing in that certain kind of consolidation phase or trend phase. Um, so for myself, I am always looking at, um, especially, I mean, if anyone's watched the streams, right, I'm always looking at the one, the three, the five, and the 10, and uh, always using those to kind of gather a kind of, um, you know, confluent uh, thesis on the trade, but I also look at the 15 minute, the 30 minute, the hourly, um, and the four hour and the daily, right. Those are pretty common as well. Yeah. I think something you said that really stuck out to me was, um, the, the confluence of all of the charts together. If you can find something where, you know, it's a nine EMA lines up with a 20 EMA on a different chart, that's probably going to be a pretty damn strong support because you're going to have, you know, double the people or however many people are uh, on one of the charts are going to be on the other chart as well. And there's going to be people buying that dip or, you know, selling that resistance, whatever it is. Um, so, so that's a really good point that you touched on. Do you ever use crosses like nine EMA crossing the 20 EMA to the upside, you know, might be bring some momentum. Do you ever use that kind of thing? Uh, yes, but I, I'd never uh, truly enter on it. I'm normally, um, either waiting for a, another 90 may pullback to confirm that move uh, alongside with my pivot points. Now, uh, one thing with EMAs that I want you know people to truly understand is that, um, like you're talking about with the confluence of timeframes, you know if multiple timeframes are aligning, of course it's going to show much more strength of the current trend. But sometimes people get stuck on like the one minute EMA, right? And uh, they'll stop out on the 20 EMA on the one minute, but if, if you really value and understand what um, how strong your entry is, you can look at multiple time frames uh, without actually having to switch them. So like on the one minute, right, the 20 EMA on the one minute is the three minute nine EMA and the three minute 20 EMA is the five minutes nine and the five minutes uh, 20 EMA is the 10 minutes 10. Right. So I can kind of use those without flipping to different time frames and still get a stronger sense of the current trend, whether it be a macro or a micro trend, whichever uh, kind of trade I'm using. Yeah. I, like I didn't know that. You just taught me something. I didn't know that. <laughs> I did not know that I could, 
You know, I knew that at some points I've noticed, obviously, over time that that some things oh, yeah. line up way too much. So I'm like, OK, these are the same. But I didn't know that exact down. To oh, science. for sure. Like uh, like go on any chart right now. Go to your 20 MA on the one minute, draw an arrow, switch it over to the three. It'll be around the same level where the, the three minutes 90 MA is. That's awesome. That's actually. And, and that'll keep you in a trade. You'll be like, oh, OK, well, the one minute's crumbling. Right. But. Is the three minute holding uh, full, right? Is the three minute nine yeah. MA still holding strong? And uh, I use that every day. That's Man, that's awesome. Something I'd like to use. I like to use the five and the fifteen together. Um, there is certain times where I will enter something based off the five or confirmation on the five. Um, say I'm say something breaks below the nine on the five, and I enter, um, and then say it's flirting, trying to break back above. When I switch over to the fifteen. Um, I just, that's like the added confirmation I need. Um, is it, is it trapped under, under the nine on the 15 still? Is there, I just kind of, uh, interpret the five as noise within the 15. Um, oh, definitely. Yeah. Cause it's like three, three, uh, five minute candles. Right. Yeah. And then the 15, you look at it as like four, um, you know, four 15 minute equals one hour. Right. It's, yep. Uh, you can kind of ladder through those time frames, which, you know, which I which think takes is super important. More. Oh, for sure. It takes a, a, a ton of review and training to get to there. But uh, as soon as you start to understand how these time frames work without actually having to flip through multiple time frames, then, um, you know, you're going to be that much more of an efficient trader. Yeah. Yeah. We want to uh, we want to kind of break up this this strategy talk. I know Tony has a few questions for you kind of about, you know, how you started trading that kind of thing. But I got to ask, um, do you eat a lot of pancakes? Oh, dude. Yes. You're a <laughs> you pancake know, guy. Dude, I, I'm a pancake guy, but um, if I have the chance to go to Waffle House, man, I'm there, you know? I got to say, I respect pancakes more than I respect waffles because they're soft and they're just so fluffy and they're so, oh, they're amazing. They're dude. way better yeah, than dude. waffles. <laughs> oh, for sure. You got like a preference? Like you got like, do you like those just original buttermilks? Like what do you, what do you like? Um, you know, it's either just regular buttermilks or, you know, chocolate chip or blueberries, but uh, always chip. with the, the real maple syrup, right? You ever Not, try people uh, stacks? They gotta be real. Yeah, it's gotta be real. You, you know, ever try peanut butter? <laughs> peanut butter on pancakes? Uh, I I've done it on uh, waffles, but that's not pancakes. I like peanut butter on pancakes too. That yeah. stuff is good. Yeah, that's very good. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, what, what did I want to ask? Oh, yeah, I wanted to ask you. Um, I have like a, a serious question, but before that, I wanted to ask, what do you think is like? It doesn't even have to be like a popular indicator, but like, what is an indicator to you that you think is useless uh, in your useless. opinion? Useless. Um, or, or maybe not useless, but not as like great as people may make it. You're trash, be. boy. That kind of an <laughs> indicator. Um, I mean, I don't know if it's truly an indicator, but maybe like RSI, right? Or, or stochastics. I really feel like if you have a general understanding of price action, uh, and just how to read a chart, then it's all kind of, uh, you know, very simple information. That's just, I don't know, the oversold, undersold thing kind of uh, leads you to being biased as well, right? Because what can go low or what is low can go lower and what's high can go higher. Um, but it does add merit and there is weight uh, and some people use it. And so I can't say that it doesn't work. I believe yeah. any and all strategies work, but uh, you really got to figure out which one works for you. I think the problem is, is I will cease like... We, we were talking about a couple of minutes ago about naked trading or or I've just used supply and demand and trend lines and the nine. Like 
I feel like when you can really simplify it and get good with something, it's way better than overcrowding your charts and having a million indicators on your chart. Like people will send me charts in my Discord and they have so many things on and like things that I don't even know what they are. I'm like, dude. Looks like a bowl of spaghetti. Yeah, like I'm not trying to be rude, but I'm like, I can't read this. There's so much going on. And when you start getting, it's similar to like when you're building a watch list. If you're trying to watch 20 things in the morning, you're going to miss the move on everything. If you have 30 indicators on your chart, you're going to have no clue what's going on. Right. So, I definitely agree. I, um, and, and I'm the same way. I'm very simplistic. Uh, you know, I was talking with Fizz and a few other uh, options or just a few other traders. He's just now trading options. But um, and he was like, you know, what's your what's your method? And I was like, you know, to be honest, like this may freak you out, but I don't really look at volume. I don't really look at level two. I don't read time and sales. Um, I'm a straight price action trader at the end of the day. And, you know, I go in every day, uh, in my discord, I stream five, six hours a day and we bang out 50, hundred percenters just off price action. All you need to be a trader. And I feel like you feel the same way too, is understanding price action and, uh, you know, the relationship between buyers and sellers and how strong, you know, really determining how strong, uh, one is over the other at that moment in time. Yeah, I let me get your opinion on this. Um, sorry to cut you off, no, man, but let let me get your opinion on this because I've been wanting to do kind of a, a lesson on this for everyone on Twitter. Is how do you feel about like candle closes? Because I feel like candle closes are pretty important of determining like you know strength of of buyers versus strength of sellers, that kind of thing. Right. Um. So for me, like uh, when I see maybe a tweezer top or, or just some kind of level. And I see where, where there's a very definitive uh, line where the wick starts right at the, the top of the body uh, in an uptrend, right? In this kind of example, but um, I'll draw a, a, a resistance line, right? And that is a, a line crucial for me to see if I am long uh, where bulls have to close over that. And if they can't, then um, it really, you know, it shows a lot of weakness. Now you get a lot of times where it closes, you know, uh, it will close over, but you have to determine the strength of that closing over, right? Is it truly a strong breakout or is there a lot of upper wicks, right? One of the best yeah. kind of, uh, lessons probably was, uh, from Brady for me, right. Um, in an uptrend, right. If it's so bullish, right. Why are there all of these upper wicks, right? Always, you know, gauging price action, and, uh, you know, buyers turn to sellers at some point, right? You don't want to be stuck in their liquidity buying up their kind of, uh, you know, peak of a move or something like that. Yeah. And the other thing with, with those closes on the candles is is you can tell if you're in a stock, if if the bulls push up, because I don't know if you're watching like five minute, I'll just stick with five minute for, for the sake of this example. If you're watching um, five minute chart and the bulls, you know, push up a candle close right at the end. Um, the last two seconds, but then they can't hold it above the line. Is that really a great candle close? And also the other thing is, is um, if it's really, really strong, it'll close above, you know, like 30 seconds before and they'll just battle at that line and they'll hold it above. Oh, um, there's yeah. a lot of things you can watch, which, which I was, I was thinking a lot of people don't really care that much about candle closes. So I just wanted to see, and it's really cool to see that another, you know, trader uses that quite a bit. Oh, for sure. I mean, I use it. Um, I, I, it's not like a, I don't know. And I call it the doji method. Right. And it really goes all into uh, watching how the candle closes. I've done it on five minute, 10 minute 
And just like you say, right, uh, they'll push it up into the upper or lower wick in the doji. But right before that candle closes, sellers or buyers will react and it'll go right back within the original doji body. And that's mm -hmm. super key because uh, traders will get faked out, right? They will have a, you know, kind of uh, euphoric thesis developed and that's not really um, part of your kind of defined process, right? You're really reacting to price action that hasn't truly closed yet. Yeah. The, uh, I had a question. Um, so I guess it's a two part question, but okay. how, so how did you get into trading? Was it like, did you have a mentor? Um, and how long did it take you before you kind of started to figure things out where you were like, yeah, I mean, I, this is something that it, I can probably do full time. Um, so I would say almost uh, three, maybe two and a half years ago, two and a half, three years ago, I was uh, selling cars, right? Um, and, you know, it, I was making good money, right? Def, I mean, car salesmen make, you know, they make very good money uh, for the time that they put in, especially. But I also wanted more freedom, right? Freedom being uh, time. Time for me was the most important thing in my life. It's, I feel like, one of the most sacred things in life. You know, we only have one life and I'm sitting it or I'm spending it uh, sitting in a dealership, right? Uh, ripping people off day by day. And it wasn't really a good experience, right? The quality of life was poor, but I did have money. So um, uh, I was looking for any reason to, uh, to leave, right? Um, so I was always interested in investing. And uh, with the investing, uh, it was too slow, right? So, and then I found day trading and I saw, you know, people trading small caps and, and this or that. Um, I lost a lot. Right. I lost a lot in my first year or so. Uh, and I think everyone goes through that. If you are new, I really do kind of, uh, you know, push people to um, if you can trade a small account and, you know, comfortably trade that small account every day and not trade for the money. Uh, you know, one, you're going to set habits to not focus on making the money, but more so, you know, taking good trades. So um, I, I was working at the the car dealership and uh, I had this deal. It was a two pounder, which is like, you know, $2,000. Um, and they asked me to go leave and, and to go grab something, right? Um, like energy drinks or, you know, some, something from the gas station down the road. Um, and I'm like, okay, sweat it, whatever. Uh, 20 minutes later, I come back and I see the, uh, you know, this, the manager shaking hands with someone. And, you know, this was an online kind of deal. I hadn't met this person before, but they were coming in to buy this vehicle cash, right? Um, and it was $2,000 uh, commission for me. And they were shaking hands and they, you know, they, they walk them out to this car that, and I'm, and I look at the car, I'm like, Hey, that's the car I was going to sell. What just happened? You know? And, uh, he took the deal for me, right? He sold practically $2,000 uh, out of my mouth, you know, and uh, that was it. I packed everything. I saw that my worth was no longer in this business and uh, I, I had to leave. So uh, I already had money saved up from working at the uh, car dealership for a few years. And uh, I had, I would say about a year's worth um, of savings, right? Living expenses, food, gas, everything that I needed. And I would, I'm always, uh, I'm very frugal to this day. I only keep $1,500 uh, in my bank account. Um, and that's just from, you know, my life experiences, right? I, I really have come from nothing, but, uh, I took the leap of faith. I was like, you know, I'm smart enough to figure this out. And boy, did I get humbled the first year, but it was one of the best things that I ever did. And, um, if you truly have a passion for something, 
uh, like trading, um, no matter how many times you get knocked down or take a loss or have awful weeks, right? There's always opportunity the very next trading session and you can always turn it around that trading session. So, so then going off that, how long do you think it took you until you had that moment in your quote unquote trading journey or whatever you want to call it, where you were like, yeah, things are starting to like click for me and this is potentially something that I can do full time. Um, just you a know, second before you start, dude, respect sure. to you for just quitting that job. Like, like, oh, fuck yeah. that boss. Second dude, off, like, oh, that yeah. dude's an ass. Yeah. I mean, you know, that their salary 200 K a year and you know, $2,000 was nothing, right. They already make money on the deal. Uh, oh, but you know, some young guy, right. Some young guy in the, in the dealership, you know, I guess he didn't know that they told me to go do this. Uh, they're going it, to, it's a, they're like scavengers, man. It's like vultures. Anything walks through the door, they're trying to sell you something. Uh, and they don't care, you know, if it's your deal or not, right? You'll get skated pretty easily. Yeah. But um, on uh, on Ant's question, right? Um, it I knew that I could do this. I, I understood TA six months, eight months in, right? But it really came down to um, my like psychological state of mind, right? I was I would always and I, and I say this all the time, newer traders, they know exactly when to, when to buy and where to buy, but their emotions may be, um, you know, causing them to experience hesitation or, you know, lack of confidence in themselves when they do take a, an entry. And, um, you know, once I, I, I stopped doing what was, I guess, intrinsically, uh, what felt right, like buying calls on an uptick, right. Or buying puts or on a downtick, right that's wrong, right? We shouldn't be going long on big green candles and we shouldn't be going short on big red candles. Uh, we should always be looking at the, you know, opposite perspective. And that's not to say, you know, not in a general sense, right? Of course, near a key level or indicator or something like that or point of reversal. But um, once I got the mind, like my head game down, right? My mind understanding how I could, you know, come to the desk each morning if a trade uh, if I miss a trade or if uh, let's say I left some on the table and it rips another, you know, 30, 40, 50%, right. I can't be mad about it. And once I accepted that, um, I, I mean, I, it just was a kind of uh, flourish of progression, right. I was able, I was in a much cleaner state of mind and uh, you know, wasn't so focused on, you know, missing that one trade because yeah, I missed that one, but there's 20 more on the same chart later in the day. Yeah, I think like people say this all the time. You see it all over Twitter. You see every single person ever say this about how the market's 95% psychological. And you'll see nurturers that are like, yeah, no, it's not. And then they start to get more experience. And they're like, yeah, it really is. Like to make that jump, it is 95% in your head. You, you get to a certain point where you know what to do. Like you said, like you know how to execute. You know your TA gets to a point where you're good enough, but it's making that it's making that psychological jump. Um, and something that I see people struggle with too is they're instead of staring at technicals or the chart, they're staring at the fluctuation in their position. It's it's up, it's green. Oh, now they're red. They're not they're not basing anything off technicals. I think that that psychological jump is is very important, like you talked about. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Um, you know, like, like in my discord, right. The house of stacks, uh, I, I talk about and touch on the psychological aspect of trading, uh, every trading session, every, every nightly live session. Right. Um, 
you know, as traders, right, this is probably one of the most difficult, probably top, top three difficult things I've done in my life, right? Uh, and it's the most rewarding, but it took a lot of, um, you know, kind of stress and, uh, you know, anger and anxiety and trust in myself to get to the point where I am today. Um, you know, and you have to be able to accept that trading will destroy you, right? It will, but that shouldn't scare you away because there are uh, so many positives to it. If you can just understand, you know, at the end of the day, right? These are vertical box and whisker plots, uh, you know, the candlesticks. <laughs> That's all we're looking at day by day, right? This is, this is eighth grade stuff, you know? And, Algebra, baby. Yeah, exactly. This is, this is you know, very uh, simple things. But like you said, as humans, uh, you know, we tend to overcomplicate everything. And, um, you know, for me, uh, you know, I didn't truly have a passion in life, right? Uh, I, um, you know, uh, didn't finish college, right? Was in there for a year, uh, did various jobs. I used to bartend, wait tables, detail cars, sell cars, sell motorcycles, like anything, you know, uh, that, you know, I could make money in a quick amount of time in some sense of a hustle. But uh, once I delved into trading, right, this is, that's where I was like, this is where I was meant to be, you know, aside from the money, aside from everything like that, right? This is what I have a passion for. Um, I can sit here and talk about trading forever, right? And, and that may kind of seem boring or this or that to some people. But, you know, if you're not truly enamored by this or obsessed with this, then it's probably not for you, right? You're probably just in it for the money. And who's, I mean, who's not in it for the money, right? But um, it, it's a strange kind of feeling to when you put on a, an A plus setup trade, uh, that's a much better feeling than the money that's being made. It's like, damn, you know, I was right. And I, I fucking did that. Yeah, yeah, I did that. Right. Exactly. And, you know, that feeling right there is very unique to trading. Um, so, you know, if, if you're not passionate about this, uh, it may not be for you. Right. But for those who are uh, trading is going to drag you through the mud. It's going to kick you. It's going to spit on you. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, you can overcome this. And uh, I would never give up. Right. It, had I given up, um, I wouldn't, you know, have any of the kind of, uh, you know, achieved any of the goals or any of the kind of prospects in my life that I have now. All right, Maple. So I kind of want to ask you a little bit about Fintwit. There's a lot of different, you know, opinions out there. Some people love it. Some people hate it. Some people think it's the, the best thing that's ever happened. But what do you think? Because I think there's there's kind of a mixture. There's some good. There's some bad. So just just give us your opinion and kind of why about it. Okay. Um, I feel like uh, I do enjoy it, right? I actually love the community. Um, but just like with any other community, there are those, you know, who are focused within the community and are there to be positive, especially positive influence and help others. And then there are those who are, you know, kind of bring the negative energy into the community, right? Tearing other people down. Uh, and they're driven by, you know, jealousy and envy and everything. So, um, uh, you know, just like trading, I block out the noise, right? You just can't pay any mind or any attention to that. It's wasted energy. So at the end of the day, um, I'm here to help everyone. And I'm, you guys are as well, right? Fantastic podcast, you know, very educational and informative. Thanks, man. And, uh, you know, that's what FinTwitch should be about. You know, there are some negative aspects, you know, the pumping and everything like that. But, you know, that's just, that's the market, you know? Yeah, it is what it is. There's been pumps going on forever. Like the uh, the the market makers, they do a little pumping here and there. Oh yeah, PT upgrades. You know this or that. It's all the same. 
Yeah. We talk about PTs as in like people on Twitter doing them. It's like, you're bad. But then we got HC Wainwright over here pulling some fucking wool over everybody's eyes every few months, trying to pump some, you know, low float fucking bio stock that has oh, never yeah, passed man. a trial in four years. And it's like, yep. <laughs> Dude, it's like yep. what are you doing? HC? Uh, they're just, you know, lining you up to, uh, to be their liquidity, man. That's it. <laughs> I saw some today. I'm not going to mention who it was, but I, it was like a $4 stock. And they go me oh, going to Finviz to Q. Uh, they go, they go, <laughs> man. This is twenty minimum. Like that's what they put. That's what they tweeted. This is a twenty dollars stock minimum. And I looked, and it's like four bucks. I'm like, based off what? Like why yeah. is it? Why? Like I don't know, man. It's just like there, like you said, the there's different sides to FinTwit, but I think like what we're doing and trying to like turn that narrative of like let's flex all this random shit that doesn't matter or whatever Dude, that knife was beautiful man i got straight for all oh, the knife, knife. I'm like, yeah what are you i wanted about? to cut myself with that not in a bad way but like it was so beautiful i was like wow i'd love this on my body yeah it, man exactly dude it, it took gorgeous. me i never buy myself anything but it like took me months to buy that and, I, and it wasn't was even it, if you don't mind me asking it was like 220 dollars so that's, like that's an expensive knife though but like hey, i mean but yeah, I've never had passion, a, Yeah, like that's I said that's my Rolex cuz like literally I would take that over I mean I take that over like a material anything. Oh, it was gorgeous. I, I'm the same way. I don't buy anything. Um, uh, you know, I I literally save as much as I can and you know, I hope everyone else does right. I'm 24, right? I own my house outright, own two cars outright. Everything's paid for. Um and and that's really just from an experience from like selling cars, right? Seeing people just kind of screw their life up for some kind of, you know, uh, you know, material thing like a payments and shit, man. Those are, those are the worst. Yeah. Yeah. If you can, if anyone's listening to this, if you have the, the means pay for shit outright or pay for shit in a different option other than, you know, getting a loan and doing stuff like that. Some of that stuff is so down the line, it costs you so much money. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, what you pay for for a $30,000 car turns into a $50,000 car by the time it's paid off. And then there's so many sneaky little things that they add into the, you know, the back writing at the end. Um, it's really, really kind of shady, right? And that's the business. You know, I did it for years. It's awful. Yeah. Well, I know that I had a listener question from from someone in my Discord who DM'd me. They wanted to know... Um, if you have any tips on trading the open, because as we were talking earlier, the open is one of the hardest things to trade. It's something that, you know, can move up, down, up, down. You can get chopped out really easily. So do you have any insight on that? Um, yeah, uh, I, you know, I've met a lot of you guys while trading small caps. And, uh, you know, for my schedule, I like being done around, you know, uh, 12 to two o'clock each day. Right. So I would have to trade the open. I would learn how to trade pre-market, understand the strength of these pre-market levels and stuff. Uh, and some of my key takeaways from years of doing that was, uh, you know, anything off the open, that's just a bonus for me, right? There's a whole day to be developed. I need to be taking very quick profit. Now, you can take, you know, half off, three-fourths off on a scalp and then maybe leave a quarter to ride or something like that if that's part of your plan. But uh, for me, it was always better to just swipe what was right there in front of me. Um, I... Always, you know, an hour before, uh, I also look at uh, the indexes, right? I look at NASDAQ futures, I look at VIX, I look at SPY, I look at, you know, QQQ and, and everything, which is the same thing as NQ. But um, 
really preparing myself, but not, you know, uh, freaking myself out or psyching myself out before open. So through that, I take a very technical approach, right? I, uh, I draw my pre-market high and low, which are significant levels. Um, I mark any supply and demand zones that I see on the hourly or maybe intraday on the 10 minute. Uh, I remain fluid and, and open to any situation off of the open, right? It could be like you guys talk about, right? It could dip down and then that's a prime opportunity uh, to go long. And then as soon as it goes long, right, you, you have to flip short, right? There's a lot of up and down chop movement that um, in order for me to, uh, you know, walk away profitable each morning or at least break even, uh, I had to be fluid in the market and just aware of any and all situation. Um, I also, for open, uh, I also take note of where my, what my indicators are doing and uh, where they're placed, right? So uh, I'll look if, hey, is price under the 200 uh, EMA on the five or the 10 minute? Is it above it or below it? Uh, where's VWAP, right? Is price respecting it as support or resistance? Uh, what are my nine and 20 doing, right? Are they above or below each other? You know, what is that interaction? Um, as well as zooming out, right? Getting a sense of the macro trend, right? The big picture. Um, you know, I know that we can intraday, day trade and everything like that, uh, marking pivot points, right? Higher highs, higher lows, lower highs, lower lows. But that also purports over to the macro trend, right? Your one hour, your four hour, right? What is that current trend and how can you fit yourself into that certain phase, right? If you're in a downtrend and you just now got a lower low in pre-market, right? That's a very strong dip. You have a high probability of that ripping up because, You've already, uh, the shorts have already gotten uh, a successful trade out of the lower low in pre-market, as well as there's less risk for longs, right? It's already pushed so far down. There's minimal risk to try. Um, as well as off the open, I, you know, you have to respect your stop loss. I, I preach and preach and preach this, but you do not have a trade at any point in the day unless you define your stop loss first, right? You have to know, hey, if price comes to this, uh, area, I don't want any part of it, right? The trade didn't go as planned, um, and I need to jump ship, right? That's when you hit the flatten button. So. I think to go off that stop loss thing, it's I was talking about this today. Um, that's why the nine, something like the nine, or something like your supply and demand levels in either direction are so useful because that risk is clearly defined for you. Say oh, for you sure. say you enter something out of demand, it breaks below that demand level, you have to get out. Depending, depending on if there's any support below or whatnot, but uh, same with the nine. You you play on confirmation of the nine in either direction, but it breaks back in either direction. That's your get out, and that's why those are so important, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah I thing, definitely agree. The thing I got to add on to that is, is there's a lot of things where where people um, will just cut when it breaks the nine EMA, and they forget wicks exist. Wicks they don't do wait. exist. Yep. Yeah, you got to wait mm -hmm. for that confirmation. Whether your confirmation comes from, you know, a three-minute candle closing or a five-minute candle closing, whatever it is, wait for confirmation for it, either closing above that nine EMA or back testing that nine EMA yeah. and bouncing up, using it as support, that kind of thing. That's why time frame probability is so important. And that's why you should be looking at multiple time frames. Like if you're just looking at, for instance, the one minute, you're gonna miss. It, uh, essentially that the one's noise within the three or the five or whatever so on and so forth um i did a, a thread the other day if you were it was a DraftKings um put opportunity if you entered on the five you saw okay it then confirmed back above the nine but on the 15 was still trapped under the nine and then got rejected hard of the nine and rode down 
that's the thing with time frame probability. If you're not flipping between multiple time frames, um, you're doing yourself a disservice, in my opinion. Yep, I, I completely agree to that. Right, you're then creating bias where uh, you know you may have not have thought you were creating a bias. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Maple, what are the shittiest stocks? that you know of. <laughs> I just, I mean, I have a few that are on my mind. I want to get your, both of yours opinions. Um, on you know, I haven't traded a small cap in, in quite a while, but just think some things that come to mind. Um, I mean, most recently the, the whole pet Z kind of thing, I think it's at 50 cents or something now, which is absolutely insane. Yeah. Um, ONTX. <laughs> I don't know if you guys remember that one from last year. That was nasty. The cancer one. Yes, man. ONTX. Yep. Um, and, and a lot of the China tickers like IKNX and stuff, I just, you know, I would get super just like bias permeable, this or that. And it's, I mean, it's super thin. So the spreads on those just chunked you if you were wrong. Right. So, um, I haven't really been going through that so much trading large caps, which has been a great kind of thing for me. Right. Um, I'm being paid more for my time, right. The moves happen much more, uh, quickly as well as, uh, I'm being paid more for my accuracy with ta beautiful beautiful i have a few um i actually also have a large cap that i think is a trash stock i think moderna is a bad stock Um, oh yeah like the company i think that's a bad company i know that's kind of a popular opinion a lot of people think that it's you know bad or you know kind of a a fraud in that whatever the market cap range it is but for me it's those stocks that they like flip whatever the the trend is so like dpw dss those kinds of names where they're like all of a sudden creating nfts now and like oh yeah yeah dpw had its it's uh you know its hand in every little bucket you know and, and yeah i don't know it, like it never a, did anything you know i mean yeah. maybe a couple pumps here or there but uh, it would set up so beautifully technically and then all of a sudden they'd create some bullshit news and somehow it'd go down it'd be like dude like, how is this going down? It's because all of those smart investors know exactly what the hell they're looking at. They're looking at a stock that they're going to do whatever it takes to, because I know DSS, like they, they acquired something that was like a COVID pill company, a bio company mid bio or mid like COVID. And then all of a sudden, but before they were like a security company when we were having all those security breaches. Now oh, they're yeah. doing crypto. Yeah. Like, NFTs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what are you fucking doing? It's those are the two that come to mind. Medex. Medex comes to oh, mind. Medex, me. uh, Enov, I-N-U-V that, uh, yep. or, or Isaiah, you know, a lot of Isaiah. That's a dude. Isaiah. Yeah. That's one too, for sure. Everyone yep. thought that they were like going to somehow like be like a tiktok news and yeah 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. and you got any of that come to mind i mean you already know what i'm gonna say the uh all the twitter shit like the wishes and aht oh yeah and aht dude that's yeah, a dying AHT. hotel company all the shippers <laughs> shippers are horrible <laughs> Yeah, it's sad because like it's not me talking shit i don't try to like stir the pot but those are the ones that are just in they're in no man's land they're like if you watch stranger things those are those are in the upside down at this point yeah (laughs) man yeah yeah dude also you want to return oh yeah that thing's like one warehouse in like kansas or something that's like the size of like a small Walmart, not even a super Walmart. UABS yeah. is not even a super. It's a tractor, yeah, su- that, it's a tractor uh, supply. It's a tractor <laughs> supply. <laughs> that, uh, that, what was it? The Amazon drone news that they had yeah. or something like that. Yeah. I Dude, don't know. That was actually one of my biggest losses in my trading career. I think that was like two years ago, three years ago, maybe. I don't remember, but some conference call where like I was an absolute idiot 
Like, and I, I bought in and then I was like, dude, Amazon is totally fucking like, <laughs> like thinking back on it, bro. It's a literal side. Like the side of their like warehouse is made of straight, just like sheet metal. Like, yeah it's bro, like a barn like, or something it's yeah. like a barn yeah literally yeah. they just made like a, it's fucking, a pole like, barn lean-to. they made a lean-to had one dude with a fucking phone inside calling people and called it a company but i was convinced that you know amazon they were partnering and then their ceo fucking resigned on the call and i oh lost like gosh. half my money in that position but whatever it was it was just super funny to look back on those. Yeah, man, days. live and learn. That's the thing. I, I always look back at my my biggest fails. I like I bought Kodak at fifty. You know, like uh, it was just not a good time. But I look back and it's just you know kind of a comedic. Yeah, it's always dude. Kodak was nuts. That was. I remember, I was having dinner with my girl's parents or her dad at that point and I saw it at seven. And Zach Morris was like, "Hey, man, like this is like he was like tweeting about it." And I was like, oh, and then it ran to like 12. I was like, I can't buy it now. It was just, oh, yep. I can't buy it at 12. And then all of a sudden I look back like two hours later and it was like 60 bucks just because yep. Trump mentioned it. Oh man. Yeah. I, the night before I was like, oh, this thing, like you're saying at like 10, 12 bucks. And then the next morning it gaps up and I'm sitting there like, you know, of course, FOMOing into it and stuff. So, <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> that's funny. That is that is how it goes. Yeah, oh, it it uh, I bought it fifty. It halted down, and then it opened at twenty four. And I was like, <laughs> okay, <laughs> yeah, that's that's my day. Uh, I'm done. You know, so dude, I got a, I got a lost story to tell you. This actually happened within the past year. This was this was, this was a I'm couple a, I'm, months ago. Yeah, I consider myself a good trader now. Um, not a great trader because I don't ever want to let myself think that. But I consider myself a good trader now. And this was a few months ago. This was my biggest loss ever. I was so confident on a, a binary bio um, due to some things that I won't get on on the air. But I was super confident in this stock FBRX. And the reason was it was atopic dermatitis. They'd had good news about their drug come out. Regardless of what it was, they had good news. I was convinced it was going to be good phase, you know, two or three news. And it was, you know, 30 bucks. My average was like 26. I could have gotten like a straight up, just like, you know, 18, 17% profit out of nowhere. They dropped their news like weeks early. They told us it was going to be like a certain date in, in September. And it was, they dropped it two weeks early. It was bad news. Stock opens at three bucks from fucking 30. And I lose literally wow. like 95% of my position. That was like, I lost, I think like five or 8% of my trading account somewhere in that range in wow. one single day that's in one crazy. single trade. Yeah. And, and like, that's not even bad risk to reward. Right. Um, you know, you probably put 10% of your account or something, you know, yeah, but I was drop smart from, with it. I wasn't yeah. stupid. Oh, for sure. But you know, when I drop like that, you know, I remember, when all you, I remember when you texted me about that. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, <laughs> that was, that was absolutely brutal. That was, and I remember I'd even like, I'd even told people I'd, I dropped my, like my due diligence and stuff. The due diligence is still good to this day. Sometimes I go read it if I want to be sad, but I like <laughs> go read it. And I'm like, man, that was such a good setup via like due diligence wise. Like I had, I had talked with like executives of the company about their products. I'd talked to scientists who were like in the field of the product, everyone was telling me the same exact thing. Like the action of this drug is good. They've had data that shows that it's good. And then somehow it failed flukely, which it's not a fluke. They failed. I, I just, I'm hopeful. I'm just hopeful. I'm like, it was a fluke, but it wasn't a fluke, whatever it was, but you know, lost a whole bunch of money is what it is. Made it back within two weeks though. So anyone who's listening, have a big loss. You just, you just get back on the horse and you keep going. Yep. Yep. You got to pick it back up. 
exactly exactly man what are your what are your favorite setups just um, to uh, get one last trade in, or one last trading question in for yeah you. for sure uh my favorite setups um i really enjoy like head and shoulders inverse head and shoulders it shows a kind of a sentiment flip right a, a, an exchange of power between bears or bulls or you know vice versa um i like the doji method that uh, i've kind of gone over um on youtube uh, i love 90 ma pullbacks uh a break and base which is essentially a retest uh, after you break, you know, a key level or, or indicator, like, like, you know, if you break low of day, breaks it, comes back up, bases it. Uh, the reason why it works is because those longs uh, have the opportunity on the base, right, when it comes back up to uh, that demand or something or low of the day to stop out for break even, right? But what shorts will do, they'll sell into that to take those, uh, those stop outs away from longs. Uh, so like the breaking base, uh, 200 EMA reactions on the five and the 10 minute. Uh, if you go look on, on any really large cap or index, uh, ticker on the, uh, five or 10 minute, you'll see that, uh, the 200 EMA is a very strong sense of support or resistance, and it tends to ride it, uh, you know, either in a bearish or bullish sentiment, um, as well as supply and demand zones. Of course, uh, my favorite and most simple trades are zone to zone trades, taking something from demand to supply. I don't really understand why. A lot of people have problems with uh, range days, right? Trend or uh, not trend, but range days like channel days where it's just trading within, you know, one or one and a half percent, right? Because that's just like tennis, you know, you're just going back and forth, uh, you know, trading zone to zone, right? Um, as well as uh, pivot point sentiment transfers. So like I, I talked about it with, uh, you know, the head and shoulders or inverse head and shoulders, Um you know, if you're in a downtrend and in the microtrend, you begin to see, uh, you know, if you're in a downtrend, of course, you're going to see lower highs and lower lows. But the moment that you see that first higher low is where the sentiment will flip, right? Then you're going to see, hey, are bulls going to respond with a higher high and then negate this downtrend, right? Showing a sense of uh, a, a confirmation of weakness. So I really like pivot point sentiments uh, as well as VWAP and uh channels right channels are one of my favorite things to trade um i always value horizontal trend lines over vertical trend lines um and, and that's just uh, has fared me well for the last uh, few years i agree with that i like horizontal over vertical things that the more vertical they are are they as strong i don't think so but right. um i think i have a strong opinion on things the more vertical they get where the fuck is the subsidence that's less time Yep, exactly, exactly. But we want to uh, we want to we want to wrap things up here. But we want to thank you, Son, for coming on Maple Stacks. We want to give you a chance to give some last advice to the listeners, something that you think they might, you know, on this this last part of the interview, maybe uh, get some get some substance from. Okay, yeah, um, it's been a pleasure, right? Thanks for having me, guys. It's been a, a great time. For sure, man. Um, one of the most simplest things that I really uh, talk about and, you know, wish that I had known as a kind of newer trader um, was that kind of uh, psychological barrier of, you know, buying, going long when it's on red candles, right? On a dip near a, a kind of supporting level or something like that. Something that I can base risk off of. And the same like going short on green candles, right? Every single time that I would uh, FOMO into a green candle, right? That's what it is when you enter on, when something rips up and it, you've missed your entry. Uh, it didn't fare me too well. And I was uh, sick of it. I was truly disgusted with myself with the amount of times that uh, I was FOMOing into green candles. So once I started going short on green candles, 
uh, and long on red candles near, of course, levels of possible reversal or, uh, you know, kind of something to base risk off of, um, I started seeing a very strong uh, kind of correlation with my uh, progression during trading. So um, as well as uh, save your money, right? Stop getting loans on cars, guys. Uh, <laughs> you know, focus <laughs> yeah. on the quality of life. Money's not everything. I know we all trade for money, but um, I trade. I like being done by one or two o'clock each day. Then I go play tennis. I go to the beach. I enjoy my life. Uh, the so, beach? Hell yeah, bro. Yeah, yeah. It's like 10 minutes from me, dude. I go there like every day. So. Oh, man. I would too. I live in Iowa. All I go to is a cornfield. <laughs> There's no beach in yeah. Iowa. Um, if I go to a lake nearby, but then it's basically filled with cow poop. Yeah, that hey, don't man. Count. Yeah, you that's know. not a beach. But <laughs> yeah, funny. we want to thank you a ton, man. Yeah, yeah I you. really appreciate it. Um, you know, uh, let's stay in touch and uh, hopefully do it again sometime. For sure, man. So yeah. uh, have a good one, bro. Yep, you guys as well. Thanks. Thank you. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I we there's no reason to like if you're having any bias. The 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 only reasoning is one you're following somebody that's putting out information that regarding trading one way and they're putting out a prediction or you don't know how to play both sides like if you're right now if you only know how to play long or you are a permable quote unquote then you're not you're you're not having a good time i mean the the way the market's been is every single day we see they tr the, it's a bull trap into a huge flush into lunch and then somewhere around like noonish maybe a little bit later some v-shaped recoveries and hooks start to to be placed where these downtrends are broken and then they'll they'll run a bit for an hour hour and a half and then they try to flush us into close if you haven't recognized that now or you're listening to people on twitter that are predicting something and it never works out you need to get, you need to get away from that. I tweeted this. There's so many. I see people that are like, somebody before the CPI was released last week. Oh, it's time it's time time for swings. The day before CPI was released. Why? Why would you ever say that? And like, how do you have fifty thousand followers, or people yeah. that are they're trying to throw predictions out, and they're just continuously wrong? Why? We should have no bias. If you go into each day with no bias and you have levels charted to play either way, then you are sitting pretty. If you are going into each day and you're like, you have a specific bias towards something in either direction, why? There's no point. There's, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, man, because here's the thing is, all of the traders who are really long bias right now, um, are they are they loud on Twitter? Are they I heard you know, saying... Yeah, are they are they tweeting, we're going to buttfuck the shorts like normal? Like all those things were like, fuck the shorts are all over Twitter when when the market is long. Right now, the market isn't long. Like, it's not a bear market. I don't want to say that because I don't want to sound like an emotional um, cutler. But it's it's one of those things where it's definitely trending down. Like, I'm looking at SPY right here. We haven't made, you know, we, we got to new highs back in, you know, late December, which isn't that long ago. But we haven't made, like, new highs, like a leg up since... Yeah. Um, early November, like we legged up in October to November, October was a good month legged up since then. It's just kind of been sideways and now we're breaking down. So if you're, if you're one of the people who are like Ant was saying really, really long bias, now's the time to learn. Now's the time to get your bear flags ready. Watch those bear flags, watch those, you know, inverse cup and handle inverse head and shoulders, those levels, level breaks, retest, 
further lows. All of those are things you need to be really, really um, competent with those, you know, being stuck underneath the nine EMA and playing when that candle comes up to the nine EMA. Cats are awesome, except for that single little thing. So side note, everyone, if you want all of your candles broken and to have random shards of glass in your feet at all times, just get a cat. That's all it takes. I literally step on a fucking chunk of glass this size every week now, at least one time. And then I limp for two days because my foot hurts. But Dude, you know what's funny? What I was like six. Um, I was in my basement barefoot. I stepped on a nail. Like running down the steps, I stepped on a nail and it went through the top of my foot. And I, Ouch, oh, dude, bro. I'll never, I'll never forget that. I That's got to be some some pain that you don't forget. Yeah, like I'm running, running, running down the stairs and get to the bottom and oh! I, like, full force right on a nail. Full weight straight. Was it rusty? Did you get? I yeah, I had to go get a tetanus shot and everything. They had to rip dude, it those out. hurt. I got a tetanus shot a while back because I scraped my hand on something stupid and. Bro, my arm hurt for a fucking few days. It was yeah. pretty bad. But yeah, they're nasty. Yeah. Anyways, if you're if you're a trader who's long biased right now, it's not going well for you. So just learn the uh, the way of the bear. That's all I can say on that. If you need someone, you know, come DM me. DM you know Tony. We'll both help you out. It's just it's not the the right action right now to be only going bull. Yeah, for sure. I just I don't know. It really. It, it it gets me going when I see people on Twitter that are just being irresponsible in terms of like you have followers, you shouldn't be putting out a concrete prediction, and yeah. especially when you're continuously wrong. Like these people follow you for a reason. Like they follow you because they value your opinion. They don't, f- or, or or whatever it may be. They don't like they're listening to what you're saying. They're not just following you for no reason. Um, like I haven't overnighted anything in a, like in in a long time, uh, because I just don't see, I just feel like the risk outweighs the potential reward. Um, I see people saying, oh, I'm overnighting these or I'm swinging this and this, and it doesn't do, it doesn't do well. And it, if people are following you, it's not doing well for them either. Yeah. Um, so I hate to be on here and just hate, but. I don't know. I just feel like we should be more responsible as a whole. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, differences in this market than there was to last year and the year before. Um, this is a pretty difficult market. Like a lot of times, there's macro events that you can, you know, determine if spy is going to go up, spy is going to go down, hold stuff overnight, whatever. Usually it works. Usually, you know, I know CPI is tomorrow. I'm going to hold puts, or you know, um, you know. Powell is talking, you're going to hold puts or whatever. Something good is happening, you're going to hold calls. But right now, some of that stuff is just not working. Like, you know, Powell will be speaking and we'll have a green day. And then it'll be, you know, like jobs will be out and it's good numbers and it'll be a red day. It makes no sense. So there's really no basis to be swinging things um, more than lotto sized. Like lotto size is probably the most that you should be holding overnight unless it's like a swing position in something that has very, very good catalyst because right now I'm not even swinging anything and I'm a swing trader primarily. I haven't swung anything for almost a year now because things haven't been working. It's since like last March or since last April, I haven't been swinging a lot because first off IWM is in the trash. 
Um, and then as well, just catalysts haven't been hitting right. Things haven't been working. Um, so I've been kind of on the, the back burner doing options, which I like. I don't love as much as I love swings. So when swings come back, I'll be I'll be ready. But as of right now, I'm not a perma bear, but I'm getting pretty damn close to playing more bear than bull. That's for sure. Yes, but like regards to that too quickly is like IWM today. This is the 19th made new 52-week lows. I mean, mm-hmm. it, yeah, swings just swings are not the move at the moment. Um, uh, it's it's just very risky, especially if we continue with how we've been going here. Um, I mean, IWM has a ton of room. Like I, you, I, you look at this; it has a ton, a ton of room. I'm pulling it up. Oh um, yeah, holy shit! It has a ton. Like of Like if we start testing two hundred, uh and we break below 200 it's going to get a little bit scary for people Bro, under that... 200 i think i see like honestly my my legitimate answer is like 160 yeah under 200 i see this is the thing people um i had actually some questions today so about um iwm levels in regards to supply and demand which i think uh in the future we'll do a separate episode solely on supply and demand because i think it's a great thing to talk about we kind of we touch on it here and there we touched on it last week with Givy. Um, I just did a, a thread on Twitter about it. Um, I've done various lessons on it. I know Teddy uses it. Um, but I just looking at it, supply and demand plays out very, very well on your QQQs, spies, IWM. There's when you go so far dated back as to December 2020, November 2020. These levels aren't really going to play out. Um, when you go, it, it gets, it gets you get in this gray area when you go so far back levels like that don't play out now what you're looking for is psych levels the first psych level now is 200 yeah. obviously the one dollar increment levels are important too but that 200 level that's such a an, such an important level if it breaks below that 200 level which i think it will there's a lot of room yeah we were talking also it looks extremely similar to xbi if you go look at xbi where it had that base level XBI had a base around like 120, 119. It broke below it and then you know came back up, retested 120, couldn't break 120, and now it's down to is this two year lows? I uh, it might be. It's close. It's not quite, I don't think. Yeah. But almost. Like it's pretty dang close to two year lows. It's below 100 bucks. XBI was, you know, 170 last February. So almost half that's nuts that's absolutely crazy um i actually think that's going to create kind of an opportunity in the future xbi will because usually honestly something that a lot of people don't know is is bios in a bear market usually do all right um it's kind of i don't know it's kind of odd but i don't really i need to do some more research probably on the reasoning for that um but i do know that in the past when we've had rough markets because before COVID, there were a few periods that I had rough markets. Nothing like this. This is actually rougher than anything I've ever been through market-wise. Bios did all right. You know, bios were something that people could rely on for catalysts and stuff. So I think I think that might be something that we look into if the market gets really bad, which we're kind of on that tipping point of like, we're at like, oh, it's just choppy to like, it could get bad. Like we could get like pretty bad sell-offs on the Qs, SPY, XBI, IWM. So yeah. just something to keep an eye on. That it also it circles back to what we've been talking about for a while, where people were saying, 
oh, because it's a new year, the market's going to be strong. Or, oh, because historically January's been good for swings. Like, that doesn't mean anything. Dude, no one knows anything about the market, if we're being completely honest. Like, literally, no, no one knows anything. That's why having no bias is the best possible thing you can do. If yeah, you trade what's in front of you. Yeah, if you trade options or whatever you trade, if you have levels charted the day before in either direction, it doesn't matter what happens. If you're all yeah. cash, if you're all cash every day, and you go into the next day, it doesn't matter what happens. It, it, it's, I don't know. Bro, this close on SPY is nasty. We're yep. recording this right after close, and so I didn't really get a great chance to look at close and stuff, but this close is really fucking bad. Like, I had one of our supports mapped out as, you know, 250, 252 kind of, because it was kind of just a, um, a zone that I had mapped out from 250 to 250, actually three, and it closed in that zone. And it looks like, dude, 250 or 450. What am I saying? 254. 450 could come pretty quick. And then if we bust that, man, it could get, could get nasty. We're going to see very, 200 then easily. There's many gaps on the way down. There's like yeah. dollar gaps all the way down to like 430-ish. Yeah. So, yeah. so we're just in a weird spot. But uh, to be honest, it's you have a sense of peace when you can just do whatever you can trade whatever whatever's going to happen and be you, done at the day end of the day exactly you don't have to be worried all night if all your position's going to open green the next day or whatnot um yeah did i see you with a moscow little little mug there oh yeah you like this yeah did you make it did you make a moscow Oh yeah, I did. I thought you said. I thought you meant did I make the mug? Uh, no, I didn't make the. <laughs> did you make a cast for the mug and then um, melt the copper? No. Yeah, a Moscow Mule. I like those. I might get made fun of, but um, and if you don't Dude, know what they good. are, yeah, they're ginger beer, a little bit of lime juice, um, vodka, and some people put cranberry, a little bit of cranberry in them. Um, those are good with cranberry too. But uh, yeah, I love them. And you what have kind of vodka to. Do you use? Oh man, it's that Japanese vodka. I can't pronounce it. I'm oh, I know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, it's it's good. It's good. Um, yeah. But dude, I can't find those sodas. Those sodas that you, they don't have them. The the Bud Light hard sodas or whatever. I made a gin and tonic because I keep seeing people like. First off, I was listening to some rap song called Gin and Juice, and they were talking about gin and juice, and everyone was like, "I was like, damn, what the hell is this gin and juice? I didn't even know what gin was like." very much i knew that it was an alcohol but yeah. i had no idea like what it tasted like anything like that and so i went and got one and i was debating if i should go like original if i should go like flavored and they only had two flavors get this their flavors were mulberry like mulberry m-u-l berry which i've never had in my entire life i didn't know what that was and then it was slovenia orange which mm. i have no idea what that is either but I got the orange one and then I made one and put orange in it and it's actually pretty fire. I just did, I think it said like two parts tonic water, one part gin and then ice and then the orange slice and it's pretty good. Yeah, those are smooth. Yeah. Tastes kind of like, this might get some hate, but like a a bitter LaCroix, if you know what I mean. Like Dude, like LaCroix. a LaCroix with, with like some extra kick to it. I love LaCroix. Bro, what I did... pound LaCroix all day. What did you tweet this Saturday that I wanted to bring up? Oh, man. <laughs> Bro, my tweets were super underrated this Saturday. I think I'm going to go back and like you read tweeted through. something and I forgot. I forget. I wanted to ask you about it, but I can't remember. God damn it. I'm going to go back. We're going to talk about them because I thought I had some fire tweets this weekend. I don't even – I didn't even look back on them to see like if people commented or anything on them. Sorry if you commented. I don't look back all that often. 
after I have a night where I'm kind of out of myself and tweeting that kind of, oh, here we go. Here we go. All right. So I said, oh my goodness. There's a quite a few. I said, you're younger in all of your pictures. You only live once is a direct argument to you only live once. W <laughs> starts with the letter D. All moms that. are bodybuilders. What? I remember I remember the W one. <laughs> and then I said, not going to lie, the billionaires on our planet racing to get off of Earth is not a good sign for us. Dude, this one I think was my favorite. I said, bro, a psychiatrist could refer to all his clients as D's nuts. <laughs> <laughs> there was, wait, was it this week about the bed? You wake up, you the, the bed one? What was it? That's it was... the one, the bed one. You're born in your bed. You're something and something else. Oh, that was last weekend. Oh, that's you're the like, one. You're made in a bed. You're born in a bed and you die in that a bed. That was fire. Yeah. Dude, that's nuts. Let me go find if there's another one. I said, I said eye drops are pretty much blinker fluid. <laughs> <laughs> Do bald people use body wash for their head? Dude, when you start tweeting everybody in my Discord, it just starts posting them in there. It's so funny. Do they really? Dude, they oh don't even God. talk about it in my Discord. They put they every just... dude. I get about. I get everything, and they're they're all cracking up. It's so funny. Oh man, dude, I love Saturday night tweets. Sometimes I just like scroll through Reddit and find some. Sometimes they're off the top of my head. It is what it is. I Those just, fights I go this with week. the flow. The they're fire, man. Nagano fight. Gain is gonna put him on roller skates. I think Gain's gonna knock him out. I think so too. Third or fourth round. You heard it here first. I'm gonna st- I'm gonna go with one. I'm gonna go with fourth round knockout by game. Yeah, I, I don't know. Game Ga- gone, gone. What Gagne or whatever the hell it is? It's French or whatever. Um, <laughs> there's Kanye, n- Gagne. there's no way it lasts more than two rounds, in my opinion. You think? I just don't see how. I just don't. I mean the o- I mean Gain Nagano. He has two rounds. Gain Gain can go the whole fight. Yeah. I just don't see it getting past two rounds. I think Nanganu is going to be really hard to knock out. That's my reason that I said it's going to go long. I think he's going to get really tired in like the end of the second and the third. And then his chin is just going to be legendary because he got hit with some hard fucking punches by Jarzinho Rosenstrike in that like 10 second fight. Yeah. And Jarzinho can hit like a truck. So I don't know. What do you think of that co-main with Moreno versus Figgy three? I got Moreno, I think. Dude, I, I, I'm just, I'm not a fan of the, like, they wanted to do Volkanovski versus Holloway again, which I believe Holloway beat him the second time, mm-hmm. for sure. I think so, too. But I'm not a fan of these, like, trilogy fights because, what, the first one was a draw, he re- Fig retained the belt, and then Moreno beat him. I wouldn't have accepted that third fight because here's the thing, now if Moreno loses, there's going to be a fourth fight. We... I, there probably dude. be a fifth fight too. You're to gonna be fight a dude four. Like yeah. You're gonna fight a dude four times. Yeah. Like go fight know, Cejudo. Man. I'd like to see that. Go fight Cejudo. I think. Honestly, man, if if I think it all what it all comes down to is Figueredo's weight cut. If he has a good weight cut, he probably wins. If he has a bad weight cut, he probably gets stopped within the first three again. Exactly like last because last fight he looked like a walking zombie on the on the weight, the scale. So I think it all comes down to that. But 
I like both of them, but I'm starting to not like Figueredo's whole like tough guy thing. He was like shooting his belt on a video and like acting like he hates Legos because Moreno's like some like Moreno's basically just like a nerd. He likes Legos. He's super like a funny. child. Yeah, I know. It's kind of awesome, though, because he's like he could beat the shit out of literally like 99 percent of the population. But he just like doesn't care. And he acts like he Did you see they made him a Lego kid. belt. Yeah, that's that what that's what Figueredo was shooting, bro. That's what he shot with a real gun. They had him like shooting it with like glasses on and shit, acting like he was a tough guy. I was like, come on, man. Like, that's yeah. just like you're trying to pull something out of thin air. That's stupid. But no, I'm excited for those fights. Me too. We might have to hop on hop on voice call or something for that. Yeah. You can hear you can hear the Saturday night thoughts while they're actually happening. You'll get you're just you, off you'll a get, whole <laughs> edible. Watching you'll the get live commentary, bro. <laughs> That'd be so bro, that's what they should do. Get Joe Rogan and all them on like DMT and then broadcast a fight. Oh my god, that'd For be real? so funny. They'd be talking like conspiracy theories while watching fights and be like, "Oh shit!" Joe Rogan gets up and walks into the ring. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, dude, people start to hate Joe Rogan. They're starting to really dislike his like commentary and shit for UFC. I, I see. I see so much shit about him. Like, oh, the CDC saying he's a threat to public health and safety because of the things he says on his podcast and dude is just talking yeah the only thing i don't like is like he is very strongly opinionated about certain things and like he'll have guests on and i he'll have guests on just to like debate them and not even like try to reason with or like listen to their opinion which i'm such a like me and you both are such a like not opinionated people like we're open to just like discussing things like and seeing other point of views and i feel like he brings people on just to shit talk them but like i still i still love him like i don't know i feel like sometimes he just like he knows that the controversy is going to get him in the media a little tiny bit in the back of his head so he has people on and he has them say crazy stuff and then he says crazy stuff in return just on the opposite side of what they say or he like will disagree with them one of them will end up being wrong which is like really cool that you guys can have those conversations but sometimes it just seems like he's really just like trying to be contrarian if you know what i mean like he's trying to just like be the different person in there who's like view is so crazy out of this world that like people are going to notice it and be like wow joe rogan is such a forward thinker type of thing i don't know but yeah, that's i feel that he's he's like actually been such like a i don't know what's what to call him like a i almost said founding father like pioneer <laughs> yeah pioneer perfect of like of like the podcasting like just like sitting down talking shit like I didn't really know all that much about podcasts. And then all of a sudden, like five or six years ago, Joe Rogan got really popular. And then everyone, like we're here doing podcasts. I have a lot of people listen to podcasts because they talk about cool shit. You learn stuff, you hear cool stuff, but really interesting. Yeah, it's been, how long has he had his, it's been a long time. He's been like doing 10 years for, or something. Yeah, like a, like a long ass time. Yeah, that's how I first found out about what, like, or even knew what a podcast was. Yeah, I remember, like, in high school, I was, like, talking talking to friends, and they were like, bro, did you watch Joe Rogan? And then all of a sudden, it was like, everyone was watching Joe Rogan. Yeah. Yeah. All right, man, we got to talk about some some tickers. It's the bullish versus the bullshit. We got three good ones. I think uh, people are going to find the first two really really helpful because they're names that have been pushed on social media they're names that we'll have a ton of questions about wish so we're gonna go over it 
Oh. What's that? I said wish. Wish. <laughs> nah, man. I wish. I wish oh, it was wish. wish. I want to look at wish real quick. I'm just going to pull it up. Holy moly. The forever downtrend continues. 250. Remember when me and you were talking about that? You're like, oh, I'm going to start a swing. I'm like, me and you were talking <laughs> about that. I'm like, I don't think so. Yeah, I think I was going to start a swing at like three something. And you were like, eh, maybe not. And I was like, eh, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, maybe not. <laughs> Dude, it's just downtrending forever. When that thing does go, though, it is going to fucking go. Like, that's the thing. This thing is going to go when it goes. It's just, will it go? Is it ever going to go? This is like the oh, fucking crazy. most overhead. It's, it'll be very tough. Yeah. It's going to have to take, like, the best There's overhead buyout at, news or something. There's crazy. overhead at, like, every dollar. Yeah. Like, a fat overhead level. Look at $5. If you look I'm at the overhead at right on five dollars, holy uh, shit! Which I don't, I don't. I mean, all right, man. I'm gonna send you with our first one. You get to talk about this first while I look at the chart. BBIG. It's been getting a lot of hype over on the the Atlas gang. Um, all respect to them. What do you think about it? Um, the monthly looks really good. Um, well, I guess the last week essentially. Um been making higher highs and higher lows it looks healthy i mean that's what a chart should look like um i don't i, I put an alert out in discord yesterday that this and sbev looked good um and it i mean it does look good i don't is there a reasoning behind why it's moving or just twitter i'm not gonna sure i'm not sure let me go i'm gonna pull up i, I just don't pay attention source. to like the the crowded stuff yeah, I actually, let me see. So it was like three days ago that it started moving. Um, China to launch. No. 14th, yeah. Uh, all it says is DJ Vinco Ventures up 23%. It doesn't really, I think it might just be short squeeze of some sort. And also just the fact that it's um, like NFT, crypto, that kind of thing. Yeah, uh, it is short squeeze. Yeah, it's short squeeze because I'm seeing like a lot of stuff about like it's up a week, like a week as the shorts feel the burn, that kind of thing. Yeah, I uh, I stopped paying attention to all these Twitter pumps, whatever you want to call them. But uh, yeah, the chart does look good the past week. Um, bounced nicely up four dollars today. Yeah, kind of in the middle of that weird gap on the volume profile, but um, uh I'm not bullish, like, bullish on this the rest of the week, maybe, but bullish on this, like, for an extended period of time, no. So, yeah. that yeah, that would be my answer on that. Um, I think, I think I'm going to go bullish. I think I'm going to say I like it. I like how it busted through that 200 MA like it did um, with that gap up. And then I also, I kind of think once we get above, you know, 550, the volume kind of dies down, has some more room above 550 to uh, actually move because 550 up until there has quite a bit of overhead. Um, and also, I mean, it looks like the movement looks pretty healthy compared to the rest of the chart on it. Like it looks like it's what it normally does. It has big pops and they sustain for days and days and maybe even a couple of weeks on end. Um, Problem so yeah, is, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say bullish. 
problem is anything that gets ran on Twitter will always have overhead and a lot yeah. of overhead. So like short term overhead. Yeah. And then there's a shit ton of overhead at like $7, $8. Yeah. So bullish the rest of the week. Yeah. For sustainable. And I don't think so. All right. What do we think of SBEV? I know you said you told your discord, you liked that and BBIG. Um, personally, I think SBEV's chart looks worse. I don't really like that chart very much. Um, there was like a kind of a gap in the chart. They filled it um, almost all the way, had a big red candle today. I think this one, if you go back and look, um, you know, January, February of last year, it gives away its gains pretty quick. I think it's going to give away its gains again. I'm going to say bullshit on it just because it popped up really hard on news. And I think that news, you know, then they, the company played to it. They gave it a couple of extra news bumps, um, something about like them being put into a store, that kind of thing. And then now I think it's time is done. I think it's going to, you know, die down, maybe consolidate a bit up here, flag out, you know, to the downside. I don't see it, you know, maybe popping again for a few weeks to a month. Um, and it would all be technical at that point. So for now I'm going bullshit for the next few days to a couple of weeks. Um, yeah, it's very overextended the last two-ish, three days. <clears throat> um, the weekly looks half decent. You have a demand zone at 375 to about 390. If it falls below that zone, which is also sitting on the 200s, then this thing probably flushes pretty hard um, yeah. down to three. But uh, I'm calling bullshit on this. Just another one that's getting ran on Twitter. Yeah, for sure. Bro, we did good as fuck last week on, on, on Bullish versus Bullshit. We said QQQ looked bad, DWAC looked good, and AMC looked bad, and all of that happened. Yeah, and I uh, don't feel bad for anyone. <laughs> you got to reiterate that. You don't feel bad. I, I must eights. reiterate that. I do not feel bad. I wonder where that lady's at that did that stream or that video that she's not leaving and she called everybody pussies and stuff. It's interesting. <laughs> Sounds like someone I know. Into it. Yeah. All the names on live stream. Yeah. Dude, I remember when that happened. That was nuts. But all right. The last one we got. Um, I picked this one um, because there's been a lot of chatter on it around reddit twitter discords it's kind of a well-known name for option traders and people who are long term it's nvidia nvda um people really like it the chip shortage caused it to you know fly it did that reverse split or not reverse split normal split um months ago and now it's it's kind of in this little bit of a, a flag downtrend whatever you want to call it pullback whatever you want to call it at the beginning of 2021 it was let me look for it. At the beginning of 2021, it was $128. At its peak, it was $350, and now it's $250. So it's it's lost quite a bit of its value in the past uh, two months. People are wondering, is this a place to go long? Is this a place to go short? Is this you know the end, or is this just the beginning? For me, um, I don't have a lot of analysts on the company. I actually didn't do anything on, you know, financials, any of that kind of stuff. But technically, I think it looks bad. I think it's probably going to break down because um, if I'm looking for a flag, I'm looking for decreasing volume. And on the daily, I don't see decreasing volume. So I'm going bullshit here. Um, if I'm just looking at this technically, the 
the issue is if it breaks, there's a node sticking out right at like 247 to 250 on the daily. Um, if that breaks, it has a lot of room down to 230-ish, maybe a little bit underneath that. Um, there's also a gap from 238.5 to 233. So um, technically, if 250 does not hold, this has quite a bit of room. Also, the 200 yeah. sitting under 230. So, uh, And this flag, also, if it breaks, 250 is the breaking level for that. So if 250 breaks, just like you said, we're fucked. Yeah, I base everything off technicals, so <laughs> technically it doesn't look good. We want to thank you all for tuning in to episode seven. Hopefully you got some good stuff from Maple Stacks, the bullish versus bullshit. If you learn anything, learn that uh, gin and tonics are pretty good, actually. So I uh, hope you guys got some good stuff. Yeah, we uh, we appreciate these, the support. Um, like we always say, leaving a rating on, on the platform you listen on or um a like on our youtube channel actually really does help us a lot and and we've said it before but we don't make a dime off off the podcast so uh yeah we really appreciate the uh the support and we appreciate the people that continue to listen yeah thank you guys um keep growing as traders keep keep learning every single day we both have discords to help people learn maple has a has a discord to help people learn there's twitter dm us wherever you need to to talk about stuff whatever it is we uh we're here for you guys thank you guys very much yep thanks guys